0: Um, we're going we're gonna to be in uh, two places in the scriptures this morning. Isaiah 42, 1 through 9, and then in Luke chapter 3. Um, <clears throat> if you know me, you can tell probably my voice is not 100%. This happens to me like once a year, basically, it feels like. Uh, so I'm going to hold on to some hot water here. Try not to burn my tongue further. Unsuccessful. Um, and uh, get through this together. Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him, he will bring forth justice to the nations. Who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I'll take you by the hand and keep you. I'll give you as a covenant for the people. a Light for the nations. To open the eyes that are blind. To bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. From the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. And now, Luke chapter 3, the 15th verse. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, "I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. A strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire." So, with many other exhortations, he preached the good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now, when all the people were were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove, And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that because your voice stands behind the voice of the scriptures, words penned thousands of years ago can still speak to us so far, far away. God, I pray that our hearts would be soft and open, that we would be split open by your word, and that you would remind us and call us to the depths and the riches of your kindness in Christ Jesus. Amen. Today is uh, on the church calendar is the feast of the baptism of the Lord. So if you have not gotten in enough feasting over the previous Christmas season, get another one. Uh, go ahead and feast it up today. Um, we have a couple accounts of the baptism of Jesus. And uh, we're here camped out in Luke's, but we'll also refer to, to Matthew's description as well. And if you kind of have in your head the idea that baptism is uh, primarily about a person's uh, repentance of sin and trust in Jesus, then this story is kind of odd, right? Because Jesus does not have any sin to repent of. So why is he doing this thing? Now, I don't think that Describing baptism as just the repentance of sin and personal trust in Jesus is the best way to necessarily talk about baptism. And this passage shows us why. But still it is seemingly odd that something that all Christians are united in uh, is something that not a Christian but the Christ himself does. And John, in the other telling of this story in the Gospel of Matthew, explicitly names the strangeness of the thing. John himself, when his cousin Jesus steps forward, says, wait, what, why am I baptizing you? You should be baptizing me. And Jesus tells him this is to fulfill All righteousness, what we're doing here is to fulfill all righteousness. And part of what we see Jesus doing here is what he will do for the entirety of his life, which is to be perfectly obedient as one of us. And perfect obedience for Jesus includes going into the waters of baptism, which seemingly is only for those are confessing that there's something deeply wrong with them and they have to turn to follow the way of God. Jesus, when he does this, does it with any, without any kind of arguing, without any of his own personal clarification about his credentials. Jesus doesn't go to the edge of the water and says, look, guys, I just want you to know I'm doing this but I am not a sinner, okay? You guys are sinners. I am not. I just want to be clear before I go in there, okay? Are we good? Everybody knows. All right, then I'll go into the water. Jesus is absolutely clear on who he is. And because of that, he is entirely secure In doing what the Father has called him to do. And you and I are not like that. Most of the time, we are people who are careful to patrol the territory of our own reputation. And it may not be explicit. It may not be something that you're going out and making sure that everybody thinks rightly of you. But a lot of times, when you have interpersonal conflict with people, one of the ingredients, the thing that sort of ramps up the emotion oftentimes, is you feel that you are not being treated for who you really are. So that you have to kind of reassert, like, wait a second here. You're not better than me. You're not smarter than me. You're not whatever, more than me. I am equal to you. You need to recognize me. And for who I am. And a lot of times when you're not even paying attention to those things kind of swirling around in the undercurrents of your heart, those things just kind of explode outwards in frustration or being passive-aggressive or sarcastic or insulting. A lot of times, if you will stop in that moment, if you can, which is really hard, in my personal experience, it's hard when you're in that moment to pump the brakes emotionally and saying, wait a second, why am I, why is this bothering me so much? Why does this provoke this reaction? Why is this person telling me I'm wrong or I failed them or I should have done better? Why does that make me want to jump up and say, but you, why does that happen? It's hard to do that in the middle of the crux ...of those moments of contention. But Jesus is perfectly obedient. And you never see this impulse towards self-defense from Jesus. And you can see it throughout these gospel confrontations. There's people constantly in the crowds... ...calling into question whether he has the right to say what he's saying, to claim what he claims, to do what he's doing. And Jesus always comes across as not cowardly. He's not not overly self-effacing. He's not pretending. But he's also not jumping down their throats to prove his case. He just clearly, calmly states what is true out of rock-solid conviction about who he is and what God has called him to do. Because Jesus is the most secure person in human history. Now, we don't tend to talk about Jesus in that sort of language, about his emotional security. But it is worth paying attention to because of what it says about things that are even beneath that emotional security. Jesus has absolute clarity in his identity. And there is no question within him. You and I are not the second person of the Trinity incarnate. It is understandable that we may not have such clarity necessarily in the everyday of our lives. However, obedience to God comes out of a place when you can rightly understand who God is, who you are, and what he's called you to do. Jesus is the fully obedient second person of the Trinity who is also one of us. In his time on earth, he exercises the kind of obedience ...that you and I cannot and do not exercise. And as one of us points forward to a kind of life with God... ...where you are this clear about who He is and the voice with which He speaks to you. The days of Jesus' obedience are over. He is not on the earth in this way anymore... He wasn't before this the obedient son as the second member of the Trinity. But in his incarnation, in his life on the earth, he gives up all the things that you and I work so hard to pretend to. He voluntarily gives up the outward Appearance of power and honor to take up, as Paul says in Philippians, the form of a servant. So that even later in his life, when Peter is deeply uncomfortable with Jesus washing his feet, Jesus demonstrates no discomfort at all. And he says this is in fact what he came to do. What is necessary to do. And Peter is the one who cannot handle it. So Jesus goes to the edge of the water and enters into the waters in obedience, perfectly fulfilling here as he will in the rest of his life what it means to listen to the Father and to obey. But. There is more than obedience going on here. If you will incline your ear to the scriptures, you will know that what is happening in the waters is important because lots of what happens in the biblical story happens in or on the banks of the waters. The gospel writers, when they tell these stories are bringing forward all of these Old Testament stories to call to your mind the fullness of what God is doing in Christ. Why does the spirit appear as a dove? That's weird. Why a dove? Like, why not a golden eagle? Why not, uh, not fire as he appears... In Acts, why a dove, a white pigeon? Why? Surely there are cooler birds. My son would choose a pterodactyl, almost certainly. Why a dove? Because if you listen to the Old Testament story, the feathers of those wings are trailing through the entirety of the story. In the very beginning of the Bible, the language of Genesis 1, that the entire world is in the chaos of the waters, but the Spirit hovers like a bird over the surface of the deep. And so when Jesus is there in the waters, with the wings of the dove stirring the surface of the water, it is Jesus, the Creator God. Who is arising from the baptismal waters? When Noah finally exits out of the ark and the flood waters recede, it is the dove who brings to him the sign that the judgment of God has relented. And here again the dove harbinges the news that the judgment of God is about to recede from the face of the earth. When God speaks to Abraham and tells him to sacrifice his son in Genesis 22, Isaac is described as his only beloved son. And so when God names Jesus as his beloved son, he points forward past Abraham's sacrifice to the moment when the Son of God himself would also truly be sacrificed, from which Isaac was spared. The passage that we read in Isaiah 42 names Jesus, names the servant that would come, who we know to be Jesus, as God's chosen and beloved servant, so that when we hear God's voice ring out, And call him his beloved son, we know that it is the servant who will gently not break the bruised wreath, but heal the blind, to set the prisoner free, and to bring the light of God to the Gentiles, that the whole of the earth might be filled with God's glory. It is not an accident that this happens. And it is not only Jesus' obedience that is at stake. It is the entirety of the story of Israel that is in that moment coming to its fullest climax in the person of Jesus. And when Jesus runs into the baptismal waters, it is not just the waters of the Jordan that are stirred that day. It is the baptismal waters of all his people forever that is moved by his own presence. So that when you and I have the waters of our own baptism flow over us from head to toe, we are not just making an outward sign, but inwardly are joined to Jesus's, not just his work, but to his person, so that Jesus' baptism becomes ours in a way that makes us his people forever. Jesus' baptism is about your baptism and mine. Jesus' baptism is to part the waters to usher his people in to victory at the Jordan, as happened when Joshua parted the Jordan River and led the people into the promised land. When Jesus moves in and through the Jordan, he is leading you and I into the promised land of God's favor, through which there is only one gate, him. He is the way. He is the life, He is the truth. He is the one through whom you go in the waters, so that you might live with God forever. And the proclamation that happens there is the heavens are torn open, it says, is not just delivered to Jesus, but because you and I are joined to Him in our baptism. God speaks those words to you and to me. The people who are joined to Christ in baptism get to hear personally the proclamation of God's beloved acceptance. John Calvin, talking about this passage, says, Christ was presented to us by the Father with this proclamation and His coming forth to fulfill His task of mediation, that we might rely on this pledge of our adoption and without fear call God Himself our Father. The title of Son truly and by nature belongs to Christ alone. Yet He was revealed as Son of God in our flesh, that he who alone claimed him as father by right could win him for us also. So God, in introducing our mediator with words that praise him as the son, declares himself to be a father to us all. Jesus had always, always, always known the eternal belovedness of the Son from the Father and from the Father to the Son. This was not new information to Jesus. So why do these words ring out publicly? So that you would hear them and know that they've been delivered to you. The the Son of God has ushered us in by his baptism and ours into the throbbing heartbeat of God's love that we might forever find ourselves and our life flowing from the life of God himself. So that you and I now, somewhat unexpectedly, hear the voice of God himself so that you no longer have to be afraid of him so that without fear you can hear you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased I am delighted in you because of what Jesus has secured for you if you are here today and you're realizing you are moving in to a new year, believing that your personal value, that you work so hard to defend from all who attack it, is about how well you do on those resolutions, those ambitions, those goals, and your, your tide water rises and falls race on your, based on your success. Jesus came to deliver you from that rat race forever. You and I are by nature fickle, fragile, and failures. And God has determined that he would put upon you the seal of his covenant love forever without regard to your performance if you would but trust in him to win for you what you could not get for yourself. So this year, if you are kind of running into things already overwhelmed and anxious, if you are looking at the entirety of your past and the uncertainty of your future, Unsure if you can grip things strong enough and steer them in the right direction. Your first move this new year needs to be to remember your baptism. Your baptism, when that water hits your body, is a thing that happened in history. And you cannot go back in time and unbaptize yourself. And the creator God has given that to you as a sign that his love works like that. And you should rest in that this year. And if you are here today, you are hearing these words as an unbaptized listener. If you are here today and you are saying, you know, maybe someday I'll believe that. I'm not sure what that's about. I'm not sure what Jesus is about, who Jesus is to me. I'm not sure if I'm good enough for baptism. You need to be crystal clear. That voice that spoke out that day spoke out that you might hear it. And that today is the day. There's not a different day in the future. It's today that you have. It is this moment that you have. In this moment, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but instead let him fix his love on you forever. Today, the great victory of God in Christ is available for those who are near and for those who are far off. And if you are in prison this morning, Jesus wants to set you free. If you have been living in darkness and in blindness that's been described in Isaiah 42. Jesus today wants to heal you so that you might see God. And today is the best day. It is the right day to come to the edge of the waters and let God usher you into His promised land like He has done and will do forever for all His people. Why? Was Jesus baptized for this? That you could be with him forever. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, you have done what we could not imagine. you have sealed to us and and for us and given us an inheritance that we never, ever could have dreamt of. The eternal Son of God has given His name, His life, His inheritance and put it on us. People who, by rights, should be cast off Father, I pray that by your spirit, you would bring people to this moment of baptism. That the unbaptized, those who have stood with their toes on the edge of the water and considered, they would see that you want to pour upon them not just the water, but the Holy Spirit. That you want to make them a new creation. That you want to... Deliver them from judgment, that you want to bring them to the promised land, that you want to sacrifice the beloved one in their place and in their stead. You want to bring them in to divine life. God, I pray that all those who hear my voice and have not entered the waters would come quickly. And Father, I pray for all of those who have been baptized, who have followed Jesus into the water, who've been carried there maybe as babies or wandered in there long ago in their life or or, are newly baptized. God, I pray that as the... The waves of life roll through where they are tempted to believe that maybe that didn't really count. Maybe they're not good enough for that to count. Maybe they're not sure that really applies. That they would understand that it is you who is behind baptism, it is you behind the covenant, and it is your faithfulness that makes it good and true and right. I pray, Father, that you would help those who are troubled, who are weary and weak, to remember their baptism and hear the proclamation of God assured for them and to them forever. Father, we're so grateful for your great love for us. We have not lived under the weight of that approval and glory as we should. and Yet, you have not abandoned us. We're so grateful for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your obedience when we cannot offer our own. Thank you for our life that we gratefully and gladly trade for our own. We love you. We're so thankful for your love for us. Help us to continue to live out of it more and more. To the praise of your name. Amen.